Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to everyone. It's good to see you guys here. What a beautiful time with the children, huh? Just that beautiful simplicity of joy and faith. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of. Um, I'd like to take the morning offering now. And as we do during these COVID times, we're encouraging you to give online. All that information you've seen to give, you can text, you can give online through CCB, different ways to give. But I encourage you, whenever you do so, whether you're just sitting in your home or you're here in church, but that we always make sure we make it an act of faith and an act that we do joyfully. <clears throat> it's not just simply, it is an act of obedience, but it's so much more than that. So don't miss out. When you give, make sure you give it with a hoot and a holler, with a joyful gift to the Lord that he has given to us, and we have that joy and freedom to give back to him. If you prefer to give by check or cash, there is a box and back, whatever way works. May our offering be a gift to the Lord. I also wanted to give you an update on our Freedom Fund Faith Project. You know, this is our 50th year of City Hill, our year of freedom, our year of jubilee. And it's been great to see how God is bringing freedom in so many areas of people's lives. And one of those areas of freedom that we've been praying for is to see the long-term debt of this church eliminated. Lord spoke that to my heart early on, that to trust him for that. And you know, you ever had those arguments with God where you go, you know, God, I think I have a better idea, which never really works very well, does it? You know, my thought was, well, this is a COVID year. People are struggling a bit. God, I don't really think this is the right year. Lord's like, trust me. God's hand is not short. God's resources are not limited. Let's watch and see what God will do. And with the Lord, I just want to make it really clear that this may look like a capital campaign because there's money involved. But what God has spoken to me over and over over the years is that it's not about money. It's about faith. He's challenging us to trust him for things that we can't control. And I said, God, may we be a church of faith because my heart in prayer is that we, those who congregate, those who are a part of this church, will be people who walk by faith. You know, God's been challenging me. As you preach something, you have to live it, right? That's the challenge of being a preacher. You start preaching something, the Lord says, oh, you go first. And I've had the Lord more and more just say, I'd be in a quiet time or just driving down the road, and the Lord puts somebody's name on my heart. So just call him. You think, really? I haven't talked to that person in five years. Call him. Text him. Contact. Give this money here. And I, it's a joyful thing when your faith becomes more than just and this is important. The word of God is essential, but it's more than principles. It's being led by the Holy Spirit. And so my heart and prayer in this Freedom Fund is that we would be people led by the Spirit. That people would pray, listen to the Spirit, and obey. One of my joys has been watching the youth of this church and children who are given $5. You may say, well, Kent, what's $5 going to do with a debt of, I think we're currently at 362. We're down from 636 to 362, praise the Lord. And some may say, well, that means it's impossible to reach. You know, we got 11 days left this year. And one thing I have seen is that God is the God of the last moment. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But I kind of want to change that about God. But he doesn't really open for my vote or my input, you know. 
that God wants us to be those in prayer. And so here's my thought. I want you to join in. Why? If it's five bucks, then man, give five dollars. Why? Because I want you to be a part of what God's doing. I want your faith to grow. Because when we're a part, then we're a part of seeing God work in us. And if we're not, if we're on the side and we're just saying, well, I don't think this is a good idea. Well, I don't. well then it happens and you go, well, huh, and you miss out. And boy, if we just imagine what we're like of a church. If we really became those that day by day listened to God and obeyed, what would happen in our world? Where would God send us? How would we impact our neighborhoods? So this is a faith venture. And I'm believing that God still has great surprises for us. And regardless of how this all turns out, if we learn to walk by faith, then we have grown as individuals and as a church. Amen? So praise the Lord. God is at work. Let's pray as we get rolling today. God of the nations, I thank you, God, that you are the God of all the silver and all the gold. And the Father, your arm is not short. You've been so generous to us over the past years. So kind and so generous and faithful to us, God. And our eyes are fixed, are set upon you, dear Jesus. Be with us this morning. May your Spirit of God, the Spirit of God be with us as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today marks the fourth Sunday in our Advent calendar. It's the first time, really, I've celebrated Advent, and I found it to be a rich experience, joining with the saints around the world. I love the fact that we are a small part, a beautiful part, but we're a small part of the kingdom of God. Amen? We're not it. We're not the apex, praise the Lord. We're a part of something much bigger than us. And when we celebrate Advent, it's one of the things that the worldwide church does all around, in all nations, in all languages that are celebrating Christ. They celebrate the Advent, or many of them do. And so I want to see if you've been paying attention, all right? The first candle. Our first candle today. The first week of Advent. Who knows what that stands for? Hope. Praise the Lord. And the word Advent means... The word Advent, anybody remember? It's coming. Yes, it's coming. So in Advent, we look for the coming as they look for the coming of the Christ child. The Advent, the coming, the waiting for Christ to come. And now today, we have that experience. We have Christ who has come to earth, but we continue in the Advent, the coming, the waiting for the return of Christ. And both of those are embodied in the Advent. I think of Simeon, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. It doesn't say a whole lot about him, but I love the fact he's an old man, and the Lord had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until he'd seen the Messiah come. I read this scripture in verse 28, which says, Simeon took the baby, Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Can you imagine this man? He's waiting, he's waiting, he's getting older. He's getting older in the temple day after day, waiting 
And then here comes Mary and Joseph with this baby, and his spirit goes, that's it. The Messiah. He's looking at an eight-day-old baby, and he's going, the Messiah of the world. His eyes could see what so many other people could not. His heart was prepared for the coming of the Christ. So our first candle is that hope. And my message there and my question for us today remains, where is your hope? I would venture to say that if we are anxious and fearful and greatly distraught in this world, and there's many reasons to be so, then our hope is misplaced. That when our hope is truly fixed on Christ, that Christ will bring us a joy and a rest that we don't find when we look at this world. I mean, so much around us is out of order. May we put our hope in Christ. I love that scripture. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. And in no way do I mean to belittle the challenges that we walk through. But particularly in those challenges, may we be people that say, Jesus, I put all my hope in you. Amen? Amen. Candle one. Then the second candle, Advent candle we lit, was for love. Amen. Love. Boy, when you look at love, the love that we experience today, I, I even know couples who have entered into marriage and they're kind of like, well, we'll see how it goes. And I'm like, what? Well, you never know what's going to happen to our love. I'm going, no, no, you got it so wrong. Now, if you're talking about feelings, okay, you got something there. Because feelings come and go, but that love, the 1 Corinthians 13, a love that is not self-seeking. Wow. A love that bears all things, all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, there's a love that challenges all of us, doesn't it? A love that never ends. And God calls us to be channels of that incredible love to this world. A world that wakes up and says, who can I bless this morning? How can I care for somebody outside of my circle today? Who's need that I could encourage and build? And that's that second candle of love. The third candle of Advent is joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Joy. That's, one of, that's a good challenge for us, for those who have walked long in the Lord. Do you still have the joy of the Lord? That we should be some of the happiest, I'll drop that word happy, most joyful people in the world. And there is a difference because happiness is based upon their situations and there's a lot of very painful situations that we walk through and that we're walking through. But joy goes deep. Joy is something that bubbles up inside of us, even in the middle of imprisonment, even in the middle of sickness. I watch my dear mother day after day. I'm inspired by Norma. Mom, if you're watching this morning, you're an inspiration. She watches on her TV from her bed. She's bed bound. And I walk in and she's just got the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. She said to me this week, I'm ready to go. I'm all set. I've done what I'm going to do here, I'm ready to go see my Jesus. And she's just happy. And you could say, 
on hospice, in a bed, having lost so much. Yeah. Yeah, she's got the joy of the Lord, and it inspires me that I would live that way, that regardless of a situation, that I would have the fruit of the Spirit putting joy in my soul. The fourth candle today is our candle of peace. I'd like to invite Jerry Poppy. Jerry is a pastor, longtime missionary, and a dear friend of mine. Have Jerry come light our candle of peace this morning. Read us a scripture. Go ahead and light our fourth candle, Jerry. Excuse me, if I can get that microphone. Have that in all. I know you got that big preacher voice, but we'll uh, get your mic. Hello. Okay. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice, rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. He is lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nation and his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river Euphrates to the end of the earth. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Praise the Lord. Scripture here says, He will proclaim peace to the nations. Peace. You know, in this world, peace seems pretty elusive. Our Scripture says, Jesus will proclaim peace to the nations. And when this was written in Zechariah, there was not peace in the land. They were facing a situation where Israel to the north, Judah was a nation to the south, smaller nation, two tribes. In the north, you had Israel, which is 10 tribes, and they had just formed a pact with a powerful nation of Syria to come against Judah. So picture you have 10 tribes and a powerful nation and you're this little nation and it looks really, really bad. And into a very fearful doomsday situation, the prophet says there's a Messiah coming who speaks peace to the nations. And you know, those words must have been beautiful to their ears, but they did not believe it. They looked around, they said, thank you very much, prophet, but we have to fight this war in different ways. And they formed an alliance with a, an ungodly alliance. But Jesus came to bring peace. And I look at our world today. We don't have peace in our world. Praise the Lord for the peace we have in America, at least the military peace. But there are conflicts in the Middle East, conflicts in Asia, Conflicts in Africa. Just reading about just a, the conflict in Nigeria where a group has taken 300 schoolboys 
kidnap them for ransom. There's no peace when you're in those situations. And yet into those conflict situations, Jesus speaks peace. You know, even in our own nation, I've never seen so much unrest, conflict, division. But into that, I want to speak, I want to read the angelic proclamation in Luke 2. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Wouldn't you? I think if angels showed up here in their power and their light, we'd all be down on the ground. But the angel said, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find the babe wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. On earth peace. Say that with me. On earth peace. The proclamation of the angels was that Jesus would bring peace on earth. And your take home today is that Jesus has come to bring peace to your life. I want that just to drop in. I don't know what's going on inside of you today. I don't know the conflict and the challenges, but Jesus has come to bring peace to your life. Isaiah 9, 6, beautiful scripture speaking of the Christ. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increases of his government and of peace, there will be no end. No end. No limit. Our Christ is the Prince of Peace. We hear that, it's beautiful. It's poetic. But I want to ask you this, this morning, what does that really mean? What does that really mean that Christ is the Prince of Peace? Because Jesus himself said, for nations will rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes in various places. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. So, so what's the deal? Prince of Peace, not come to rot peace. So which is it? I want to take a closer look so we understand really what Christ is promising us today. The word in Hebrew, peace, is the word shalom. I love that word. It's one of the few Hebrew words we actually know, right? Shalom. Say that with me. Shalom. Just look around. Don't have to leave your chair. But just look around at somebody. Wave at them a little bit this morning. Say shalom. Shalom. Shalom, ladies. Shalom. Peace. It's a Hebrew greeting. I'm sure that the Bendesu family, which is in Israel, as when they move out of quarantine, they'll be seeing people in the streets going, Shalom. Shalom. Greeting people. A greeting of peace. It's beautiful. But inside that beautiful word, Shalom, is three kinds of peace. 
There's a, the word means a being whole at rest and reconciled. Within that word, shalom. And I want to say three areas that God has come to give you through Christ. Or maybe I should say better, in Christ. If you are in Christ, then God offers you three different areas of peace. The first is peace with God. So when the shepherds came to say peace on earth, one major thing they were saying is, good news, you can be at peace with God. Because our sin puts us at enmity or as enemies of God. But the good news is, Christ has come to heal that. To pay the price for our sins. And to say, good news, you can be reconciled to God. And man, let me tell you, I don't know how good news that sounds to you. But the reality is that is very, very, very good news. Because you don't want to be at odds with the Almighty God, do you? But good news that through Christ, we can be reconciled. Some beautiful scriptures here. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Praise the Lord. This is nothing better than waking up in the morning and going, morning, Daddy. It's peace with God. No matter what else is going on, having peace with God. That is a peace that Jesus came to give every single person who calls upon his name. Ephesians 6.15, this is the gospel, the good news of peace. Colossians 1, God is making peace with us by the blood of his cross. We can have peace with God. First kind of peace. The second peace is the peace of God that gives us peace within. Fruit of the Spirit. We know the song, right? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The Spirit, as we come into the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit in our life, the fruit of the Spirit that should be seen as a result is love, joy, and peace through the Holy Ghost. Peace inside. And I do believe that that peace is most seen when we're squeezed. I mean, most people can have peace when things are going well. When their finances are good, their home is fine, their family's great, the Vikings are winning, everything's going great. And we have peace within. But that isn't the way life always works out, is it? I remember I was in L.A., I used to live in Los Angeles, worked in a church a little bit north of the cities. I was coming home from an evening meeting about 10 o'clock at night, and there was about six lane, kind of a residential area, but LA, six lane, this curve, and this guy came across, it's a 35 mile an hour curve, and he came at about 95 miles an hour, they think. Hit the curve, the car spun in multiple circles, and I'm I see this car coming down the road like this, coming across all the lanes. I stopped my car, and I T-boned him, his side door, with the front of my car. He was probably going 40 at that point, sideways. 
um, totaled out both of our vehicles. And I stepped out of my car unhurt, praise the Lord. And I was filled with joy. I just can't even explain. I was so happy. Because I was alive. <laughs> I was just, and I was like dancing happy. And the guy got out of his car, said a few things, fainted. He was very, very drunk. Fainted on the road. Cars came, police came, neighbors came. There was people everywhere. It was a hot summer night. This one guy walks up to me, just some guy, and he goes, hey, dude, that's your car? Go, yeah, that's my car. He goes, you okay? I go, I am doing great. <laughs> and he goes like, but dude, that's like, that's a, your car is totaled. And I go, yeah, it's all going to burn anyway. He goes, what's wrong with it? And he's like, like, you just seem happy. And, you know, I don't know what I said to him after that point, but I was happy. I look back on that. You don't make those things up. You don't say, I think I'll feel happy now. But I was just so grateful that God had spared my life. And I was so, just a car, right? You get cars, you get other cars. It's just a car. And I thought I was just so joyful in the Holy Ghost there on the side of that road my car totaled up. And I go, praise the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength, that takes us through tough times. And I know there are people who are walking through tough times. And I just say for you today, the Lord has peace, the Lord has joy for us right in the middle of the battle. Peace within. And because we have peace within, the third area of peace that God gives us is the ability to pursue peace with others. Now, I don't believe you can always have peace with everybody, but you can pursue it. You can pursue it. And one of the great tools that God's given us is the ability in Christ to forgive those who have done us wrong. You can have freedom and peace because God, through Jesus, we can forgive those who hurt us. And we can find peace with others. Paul spoke about this. You've got to imagine the Jews and the Gentiles were enemies. They did not get along. They did not on things. These were not friends you had over for dinner. And Paul is going, we're going to see us all become one in Christ. Can you imagine the battle? For that to happen. And Paul says in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace. He himself, Jesus, is our peace, who's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So think of the barriers that divide our world, our nations, our family. Jesus is the answer to that. In Christ, those walls can be taken down. I've shared this once before, but a Dominican friend of mine was sitting in a hotel lobby with a Haitian friend. And they were laughing and carrying on and just having the time of their life. But they kind of but they hadn't forgotten, but there's problems between Dominicans and Haitians. There's hatred. 
There's prejudice. There's division. And they, these two said, you know what? We're brothers in Christ. This is my brother. This is my family. And they are loving. Each, and they're just carrying on. And somebody came up to him, an ambassador, a Dominican ambassador to Haiti came up and said, you know he's Haitian, don't you? He said, yeah. I don't, this is my brother in Christ. He goes, how can you guys get along? You guys were like friends. He said, no, we're better than friends. We're family. I love that man. And the world looks and goes, that's strange. And I go, praise the Lord. May we be strange. May we be the strange people that love people who are not like us. Who the world would say, you should not love that person. And we go, We've become one in Christ. Christ comes to bring peace where there's division. He comes to heal family hurts. He comes to heal the divisions we have within our own nation. Because we have peace within, we have the ability and even the commandment to go and work towards finding peace with others. So let's be clear. We live in a world of conflict, right? You open the news, sometimes I just can't read it anymore. Just conflict. They, they seem to look for the areas of conflict. And there's conflict between nations, conflict in families, conflict in our hearts. And Jesus was not ignorant of that. I want to tell you, it's not like he had this pie-in-the-sky idea. He understood there were conflict, but into that conflict, you hear these scriptures. John 16, the words of Christ. I've told you these things so that in me, say that with me, in me, in me you might have peace. In the world, well, you're going to have tribulation. There's problems in the world. But take courage. I've overcome the world. In me, you can have peace although there's going to be problems in the world. It's a different kind of peace. One of my favorite scriptures, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Hear that clearly. This is not the peace. This is not the absence of, absence of conflict in the world. That's how the world wants to find peace. No more conflict. That day will come. But right now we live in the world where there is lots of conflict. But in me, in Christ, we can find peace. Yes, Jesus can heal conflict within nations. Jesus can heal conflicts in your families. He can heal conflicts in your own life. But the power of God today as peace to the world has to start inside of us. And, you know, I don't know everybody who's here. I don't know everybody who may be joining us online. But the first place to find peace is finding peace with God. And I believe that most of the people I'm speaking to today have found that peace with God. But it's very clear, and I just, in case there's someone that hasn't, the first step is repentance of your sin. And we look at that word repentance in a negative way, but it's such a gift of God, isn't it? It's such a gift that we can 
face our own failures and quit making excuses and blaming other people and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. And that's where we find freedom. We find freedom because we have a God that is so ready to forgive us of our sins. Christ has already paid the price. And so we repent of our sins. And I think the second thing that we've got to talk about in salvation is we, we bow the knee. We bow the knee, which means we are recognizing that he is God and we are not. And man, in this world, this isn't, it's not just opening your heart to Jesus, but then living like you have always lived your life. Salvation so clearly is saying, Lord, I submit to you as my Lord. As my Lord, as my boss, as my authority. And in a world that shuns authority, this is a big deal. Because we have to say, I give you the authority in my life. And let me tell you, when you, even there's Christians that say, well, I love Jesus, but, and then they become the judge of the word of God. What they like, what they don't. There are things in the book that I would rather not have in it. Okay? I read it and I go, oh, I don't know if I like that. Well, guess what? It's not up for my vote. It's not really up to my opinion. Being Lord of my life says, Lord, I may not understand that, but help me understand it. And I submit to what your word speaks to me. A new Lord. And as we repent of our sins and turn to Christ, there is a peace that is waiting for us. There's a peace that the Prince of Peace comes to give us in any situation we may be walking through. That's why the scripture speaks so beautifully of being in Christ. It says the great mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to speak to those who have walked with Christ for a long time. Let the Christ that's in you out. Let it grow in you. If you're not experiencing the peace, the hope, the joy that God has for you, go to God. Say, Lord, I, I know your my Savior, my Lord, but Lord, I need more of your Spirit. Baptize me anew in the Holy Spirit. Fill me anew. Get me excited again about what it is to be a follower of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, when you really settle that score in salvation, when you settle that in your heart, then you can be at peace in a hurricane. You can be at peace with a bunch of Jewish sailors in a boat. They're in a fierce storm and Jesus takes a nap. He had the peace of God. He was the peace of God. And Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to invite the worship team back up this morning. And I want to bless each of you this morning with a beautiful blessing, one of my favorites in the Bible. Out of Numbers 6.24, it says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
And may God give you peace. May the Lord give us peace this Christmas season as we turn our eyes to Christ, the Prince of Peace. May you experience his peace in the deepest parts of your soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, if you're a guest this morning, I'd love to greet you at the Welcome Center. If you'd like prayer, someone to agree with you, seek the Lord with you, we'll have our ministry team right out these doors. The prayer room is right there. And we get the joy. Well, one more thing. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, is our candlelight service. Join us online or join us here in person. It's a beautiful time, a quiet, reverent time to worship the Lord together on Christmas Eve. So I encourage you to come out Thursday night, 7 o'clock. It won't be a long service.